Do you struggle with anxiety or depression? Do you know or love someone who does? Or do you have an interest in learning more about mental health in general? If so, pull up a chair, have a seat, and join me as I share some of my journey through mental health struggles and offer some personal insight into how you might better the mental health of yourself and those around you by learning how to rein your brain. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rain Your Brain podcast. I'm your host, Deanna Barrasco. A quick disclaimer, I'm not a medical professional or licensed therapist. I'm only sharing my personal insights into mental health in hopes of helping others. Today, I'm going to be talking about a book titled Coping with Anxiety, 10 Simple Ways to Relieve Anxiety, Fear, and Worry by Dr. Edmund Bourne. And if it's your first time listening to the Rain Your Brain podcast, welcome. This is basically an adjunct to my website, rainyourbrain.com. And on these episodes, I share insights and summaries of books that I have recommended on my website to kind of bring you the best points or the most impactful points from the reading from my perspective. So today I'm talking about anxiety. And this book is, I was excited to read this book because I am a lifelong sufferer of anxiety and it has been a great challenge for me in many areas of my life. So I was excited to read through this and what I found is it's really a pretty good manual as far as uh, understanding. It kind of brings an understanding of anxiety to you and it gives some characteristics to be on the lookout for when you're self-monitoring for anxiety and it gives coping skills and lifestyle suggestions on ways that will help reduce your anxiety overall. It seems as though, well, it's been proven that anxiety is ever-increasing in our society. According to the authors, approximately 18% of people in the United States have suffered from an anxiety disorder in the past year. And obviously in 2020, we have additional stressors, namely the COVID virus and racial tensions, which exponentially add to our already high levels of stress. Without even considering the current events that are adding to our stressors, we already live in a state of constant doing in America where I'm recording this. We don't have any time left for self-awareness, not much time left for just downtime. And that creates a disconnection between our us and ourselves and between us and others. And when we're disconnected 
from ourselves and others, anxiety is much more likely to arise because we get stuck on that treadmill of going, going, going. We're just doing, doing, doing. We don't take any time to regroup, to reset. And anxiety will build and build and end up causing numerous problems. So it's a good idea to take a moment and self-evaluate your levels of anxiety and address them and find ways to cope and find tools that will help alleviate anxiety in your life. It's important to distinguish between fear and anxiety. And in the book, they, they have a section where they talk about fear versus anxiety. Fear, and this may be obvious, fear is directed toward an external object or situation. Like a rabid dog is chasing you. You're going to take action and run from that danger. But with anxiety, most of the time it's nonspecific. A lot of times you can't pinpoint exactly why you're so anxious. You just know that you are very wound up, very anxious. And often what you see when you have anxiety is you imagine a danger that's not immediately present or you imagine something bad happening that's in reality very remotely possible in all likelihood it won't happen. We often get anxious over just the loss of control. Any situation where we don't have control over gives us anxiety and those of us with anxiety tend to have overactive imaginations. I'm always imagining the worst case scenario and 99.9% of the time that does not come to fruition. Things are way less dangerous than what I made it up in my head to be. The effects of anxiety are, are important to note because we often in our pursuit of getting this done, that done, reaching goals, just go, 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 we don't realize the toll that anxiety is taking on our bodies. Physiologically, our bodies experience things like rapid heartbeat, muscle tension, queasiness, sweating, when we're having episodes of anxiety. And behaviorally, anxiety can paralyze you. I've had anxiety so bad that I can't even think. I can't express myself. I can't make decisions. I just It's been so bad before that I just can't even function. And even through good times, my anxiety will be at a level normally where I have a state of persistent uneasiness. And often I have felt kind of detached from myself because I and I have so much floating, free-floating anxiety that I'll detach from it so I don't really have to address it or deal with it. And that's not the healthiest way, obviously, to go about dealing with it. 
an important thing to keep in mind is that anxiety is a continuum. It's not a case of whether somebody just has anxiety or they don't have anxiety. Everybody experiences anxiety, but it's a continuum. It can be so mild that it doesn't interfere with any daily activities and you're able to come back down to a baseline really easily. Or on the other end of the spectrum, it can be completely debilitating. In my case, I've had episodes throughout my life, probably three or four times where I actually would have to take a leave of absence from my employment because I simply could not function and I had to take some time to to regroup and reset because I had let it go and let it build for so long. So, point one, it's a continuum. And also, another thing to be aware of is that there are different varieties of anxiety, if you will. And a lot of times these overlap. One is situational anxiety. For me, the first time I experienced a panic attack, I was in a restaurant. And that situational anxiety of having that panic attack in a restaurant became a phobia because I ended up completely avoiding going to restaurants because I knew if I would go I would have a panic attack and as you can imagine that greatly impedes regular life because you're limited on what you can do and sometimes the situational anxiety can become so much of a phobia that just thinking about that situation can trigger a massive reaction. For me, when I was avoiding going to restaurants, even thinking about going to a restaurant, or if somebody had mentioned, hey, we're all going to meet out at wherever, just that mention or that thought, I would start to panic just thinking about it. And it took me quite... A number of years before I became tired of not being able to do things that I used to do and so I did exposure therapy basically which means you expose yourself to the situation that causes your anxiety a little at a time is what I did and I was able to overcome that fear of having a panic attack in a restaurant but my disposition to higher anxiety is something that I've never been able to completely change and I think a lot of people don't realize that your your disposition can be very hard to change but you don't have control over that and it's okay to let go of trying to make yourself into a completely different person that doesn't have anxiety But what you can't, there are a lot of things that you can do. You can change the way you respond to your body's overreacting to situations, different ways of responding to the anxiety so that you don't go into a tailspin. And that's what I am going to be talking about. I'm going to bring up some elements from the book that... Uh, talk about anxiety and characteristics to be on the lookout for and then I'm going to talk about 
steps that you can take to reduce your anxiety and coping skills that you can use in the moment when you're just going to a tailspin to help prevent that right after this short interlude. Welcome back. I'm going to talk now about some of the characteristics of anxiety and some of the ways that you can cope with these characteristics and tools that you can use to counteract the anxiety. And some of these you will relate to and some of them maybe you won't, but I just pulled what the authors mentioned. I pulled out the these characteristics because most of them I relate to. And some of them inner they kind of overlap as you will see. Self-awareness is a big one. Um, when you become able to take a step back and notice when you fall into what is known as what if thinking. What if this happens? What if that happens? Oh my God, I'm not going to be able to handle it. Oh, it's going to be devastating. And you start making up a whole story about how something bad is going to happen. You won't be able to handle it. And when you're able to take a step back and recognize, okay, I'm having this thought train that is not necessarily rational just bringing that awareness to it helps stop it in its tracks so you can evaluate evaluate it because a lot of times when we start those racing thoughts we catastrophe catastrophize things and when I was in therapy years ago for anxiety my therapist was always drilling into my head stop overestimating the odds of a bad outcome and stop underestimating your ability to cope. And when I look at things that have happened in my life, I've made it through 100% of them and nothing that has happened to me has been worse than what I anticipated it to be or what I made it out to be. In most cases, it was much, much less catastrophic than what I had built up in my head. The steps to combat this, the authors mention identifying the distorted thought. So let's say that you see uh, an ad or article about cancer and you start thinking, oh my god, what if I have cancer? You know, I've had a cough like that or I've had that thing on my skin or whatever question its validity say how rational is it that I'm worried about this right now is there really a cause for me to be worried and a lot of times a lot of times you will notice that it's basically a thought pattern it's not actually something that's happening I remember one time I had a friend that had a cold or no a a friend had a relative that was diagnosed with lung cancer. And so I immediately started thinking, like thinking about my breathing. And when I would cough, I would think about a cough. And before you knew it, 
I was becoming paranoid about myself having cancer. And over time, I've realized that when I fall into that thinking, because I I have a, a high level of health anxiety, always have, I have to remind myself that the chances of that happening are relatively slim. And if they do, if something happens, if I get cancer, I get some kind of illness, I will be able to cope. There will be a way to cope. I've coped with everything that's happened to me so far, and I will cope, continue to cope with things that arise, challenges that arise. And that is the action of replacing with more realistic thoughts. You want to really look at the validity or lack of validity in your thinking and think more realistically. Some habits that are also very common with anxiety-minded people is things, these all kind of go together. Focusing on negative details while ignoring positive aspects. Um, Maybe focusing on, for instance, the negatives of this it's 2020 and we're going through this COVID-19 pandemic and people have been staying at home more. And instead of looking at the negative aspects, like my daughter had to stop going to school. I couldn't go out and source for my eBay store like I could. And it was easy to fall into that negative thinking trap instead of looking at the positives of well, gosh, I can't go BB sourcing and my daughter can't go to school. Maybe we can bond more. Maybe we can do things together. And I have a lot of projects around the house I can work on. And she enjoys animating. She can have more time to animate. And a lot of times I forget to focus on those positives, focus on the negatives. And in today's world, the media is really good at reinforcing that negative thinking because a lot of attention is placed on all the negative news because that's what gets the most clicks. So it's a good idea also, as a side note, to limit media intake because it really ramps up anxiety in people that are prone to anxiety. There's a lot of polarized thinking in with anxiety. There's no middle ground, in other words. You start a new job, you're going to either be amazing at it or you're going to be a total failure. If you have a setback, it becomes a total failure instead of saying, well, I'm going to have some successes and some failures. That's just how life is. There, It's always a middle ground. There is no either or. It's middle ground and people with anxiety tend to forget that there's a middle ground Overgeneralization is another thing that I'm guilty of and a lot of the people with anxiety experience. When I had a panic attack in a restaurant, all of a sudden I concluded that I was always going to have a panic attack in a restaurant. Therefore, I could never go to a restaurant again. And that was way overgeneralizing. And eventually I was able to go to a restaurant without having a panic attack um, it it happens sometimes when I'm at a restaurant, but I know now these coping skills that I'll talk about and the anxiety is always short-lived. It's never debilitating any longer. An- anxious people tend to mind read. 
tend to just know that people are thinking negatively about them or they just know that oh they they did that because of you know me or they they tend to take things personally and I have to remind myself often that unless I know somebody's motivation a hundred percent unless I can prove what their motivation is I have to accept that I know zero I just don't know and I think we struggle especially with anxiety we struggle with that loss of control and in a lot of situations we realistically don't have much control over so a big part of my coping with anxiety has been working on letting go of that control and realizing that it's not possible for me to control so many situations and that things do work out over time there are no quick answers a lot of times you have to be patient but things always find their way shoulds are a big thing with anxiety we tend to have ironclad rules about how we're supposed to behave or how others are supposed to behave and things that are not right make us very anxious or if we feel like we didn't do a good job or we should go to an event that we don't really want to go to we get really anxious about it instead of giving ourselves some leeway we we need to learn to be kinder to ourselves if if i'm stressed and i have an event or a meeting with somebody and i am telling myself i should go i should go sometimes i've reached a point where i've learned to say no i shouldn't go i don't need to go i can't go because i need time to relax to bring myself back to baseline that recognition of the need for self-care has been huge is very instrumental in dealing with anxiety now i'm going to focus on the solutions that the authors mention in the book and this is again it's just a summary the book again is coping with anxiety 10 simple ways to relieve anxiety fear and worry and there are several chapters i think on things that you can do lifestyle wise diet exercise sleep and it has some excellent excellent pointers i'm not going to go over all of them because a lot of them are, are is common sense but it, the book is a really good manual to keep on hand when you have questions about how to lessen your anxiety a couple things I will mention as far as the physical activities that that they point out is abdominal breathing. And a lot of you probably have heard belly breathing, where you breathe slowly in and you allow air to go to the bottom of your lungs and you work on, you take a deep breath and you push out your belly area. And this, they mentioned doing this 10 times taking 10 slow breaths counting to four on the inhale and four on the exhale and if you do this even five times I can feel my body 
lessening its anxiety. It just, it brings down my level at least a couple notches. So it's very helpful. And another activity that you can do is focusing on, I think they say five things in your immediate environment. And that really helps to distract your mind from the racing thoughts that can happen when you're anxiety stricken. And so oftentimes I will look at a flower or a plant wherever I'm, if I'm driving or look at the greenery around me or I'll look at the clouds in the sky. Just, it can be anything, just something to divert your attention so you don't get sucked into that thought train. When, when you're facing a problem or a crisis, the, the authors talk about filtering, and that's your, your ability to deliberately shift your focus to the solution instead of the problem. Instead of focusing in, on all the reasons why this is horrible and all the, the, the bad things about it, focus on the things that are possible to change, the things that you have control over that you can do. And that help, that will help because if you have something that you can do, even if it's a small thing, an action that you can take, it helps diminish anxiety incredibly. When you're overgeneralizing, instead of saying things like, I'm buried in debt and I'm never going to get out of it, look at the actual numbers and say, okay, I owe X number of dollars and I can commit to paying such and such a month. Come up with a plan instead of letting yourself run in that thought train without any action. When you're tempted to read somebody else's mind or you think that you know why they're doing or saying Remind yourself that unless you know entirely, unless you've talked to them, you know exactly what they're thinking, work on not having any belief at all because you don't have any information to make a decision. So realize that you don't know. Instead of saying things like, I can't stand it. This is horrible. I'm never going to make it through this. Say things that are empowering like I can cope with this and I will survive. I will come through this a better, stronger person. I've been through bad things before and gotten through them and I will do it again. And that has made a huge difference for me. Because I used to just wallow in the negative thoughts and just worry instead of saying, okay, well, this is bad, but what, what can I do about it? I've gotten through things before. Let's see what tools I have to get through this. And it's very empowering. I think if I had to pick two things that are the biggest takeaways from this book, it would be the self-talk the stories that we tell ourselves that either in, increase our anxiety or decrease it, to be aware of your self-talk. It's so important. And the other element that I didn't really talk 
about much is exposure. When I had panic attacks in restaurants, the way that I got over it was exposure. I didn't all of a sudden start going to restaurants. I worked up to it. I would go to maybe um, a coffee place and go in, order coffee, and then leave. And then the next time I would go in, order a coffee, and maybe stay for 10, 15 minutes, and then leave. And then I would maybe go to a restaurant, place a carryout order. And then next time, maybe I would go into a restaurant, order something, and eat by myself, stay for 10 minutes. You get the picture. I would gradually work back up to going into restaurants. And over time, it became easier. I think one thing people need to keep in mind when you're dealing with especially phobias, extreme fears, that exposure should be a gradual process, like micro exposures, because it's easier to build on micro exposures than to all of a sudden immerse yourself into the environment or situation that has created you so much distress in the past. Some ways to get through anxiety attacks. I think what has been really important for me to, to learn to accept is the bodily symptoms of anxiety. When I, for me, a lot of, I have a lot of gastrointestinal symptoms and dizziness and just that feeling like you have to get to a bathroom or the feeling like you I just want to crawl out of my own skin. I just can't stand to be in my body anymore. And the more I fight it, that feeling, the more it builds and builds. And I've learned over time to recognize my bodily symptoms and accept them and realize, okay, this isn't a physical illness. This is my body overreacting. This is an anxiety response, a fight or flight. It's, it's going to go away. It's temporary. And I stay grounded in the present moment by looking around my environment. As I mentioned pr- earlier in the podcast of picking out some concrete things to look at, clouds or even a, a street sign, just anything to distract your thinking. And combining that with some deep belly breathing, that helps tremendously to work through the bodily symptoms and know always know remind yourself the anxiety is going to pass it never stays forever it feels like it's going to but it doesn't it is temporary the authors i love this statement that they say in the book the path out of anxiety starts with directly experiencing it that's so true the path out of anxiety starts with directly experiencing it Whenever you start to get anxious and you do something to circumvent having to deal with it, like you go uh, shopping or you drink or you smoke whatever substance or do whatever you do to not experience the anxiety, you're setting yourself back. And sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes it's just too much to handle. But when you can work on accepting the anxiety and not trying to avoid it because you may, will make leaps and bounds of progress through anxiety and not have it control you as much if you can sit with it 
that's so important just sitting with it and then it won't control you as much Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Rain Your Brain. Again, the book I was talking about is Coping with Anxiety, 10 Simple Ways to Relieve Anxiety, Fear, and Worry by Dr. Edmund Bourne. And you can find that and other books on the rainyourbrain.com website. I have a book page and if you click on any of the icons, it will take you directly to Amazon and you can purchase if you so wish. I also have a blog post page that deals with articles on anxiety, depression, and mental health in general. Again, thank you so much for the support, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening.